Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. And welcome to episode 548 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd with my co-host Joe. How we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. I'm well rested. Um, I got four hours of sleep last night. Uh, took a little nappy poo before we started recording, so I'm ready to go. Mm, I'm good too. I'm a little tired too because I've been uh, taking up quiet tennis, Joe. Yeah, you know what quiet tennis is. You're going to tell me because I yeah, don't know. That's right. It's the same as regular tennis without the racket, Joe. Isn't that just handball then? Right. Get it? Quiet? Racket? Anyway. No, no. I get what you're saying. Oh, okay. But yeah, no. Otherwise, I'm good. All right. <laughs> let's let's get into what we got on the show this week because we got a little bit of a busy show, huh? Yes, we do. We got we got news this week. Uh, replacements for both a comic and an omnibus. Can you guess what company that is, Joe? Also, uh, Diamond uh, loses another small comic company distribution. Uh, comic Con updates, price changes for certain comics. Also, we have uh, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was both Alien Number One and Hulk War in Packs Number Three, uh, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues with the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Um, Todd's Art Attack, and at the end we will have spoiler-filled talk of both uh, Flash and the second episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I hope I hit everything that I was supposed to. That sounds like everything and more. Oh yay! So let's start with one that would be a follow-up from a week or two ago when we had discussed there was a DC Comics Superman Grant Morrison omnibus that had a few errors in it. Mm-hmm. Um, notably, it was um, it had some of the creators' names misspelled or missing completely, and then there was a page that just had no word balloons whatsoever. Right. Now, I was not aware of this, that when Marvel does this, and I'm sure Marvel does this because they do have something in place that they just tell people, they're like, yeah, just go print out uh, the digital version and put that in your omnibus and you're fine. Do you mean the DC people? Not Marvel, you're saying? No, no, that's apparently what Marvel's gimmick was. Oh, really? Okay, I know DC did that with... They were like, oh, we'll send you, so- I don't know, something to slip in that New Gods one or whatever. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. thank you. That was nice of you. But apparently that's like, and, and it, because it comes up so far in between with Marvel mm. that they're like, yeah, you just, you know, here's your digital version. Go print it out. High gloss paper at your expense and you figure it out, right? Right. <laughs> so apparently DC is attempting to do a make good on this. Right. And I'll give them credit for doing so. Um, Apparently, uh, if you go back, if you bring it back to your retailer and your retailer takes the cover off, not just the dust jacket, like the actual cover Mm -hmm. and sends it back to Lunar uh, and fill out like this form or whatever it is, Lunar will send you a replacement. 
Oh, that's nice. Uh, they didn't do that with my Justice League International omnibus. <laughs> well, I think a Superman... No, no offense to the Justice League. Oh. Listen, they're given the choice. I know what I'm picking. Right, throw some respect on it. <laughs> but I'm sure that this Superman Grant Morrison thing probably sold a lot more copies. Mm. Um, they claim that the corrected copies will be available by June. And that you have to have your claim in by the end of April. Okay. To get the corrected copy. Now, I say this. The corrected copy, corrected copy, corrected copy. <laughs> we trust in them it's going to be a corrected copy? Sure. Uh, I believe them. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me a thousand times, shame on me. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but either way, I look at it as, so Joe, when I get in the three weeks, I think it is when I get my who's who omnibus, should I just rip the cover off instantly or wait till they tell me what's wrong with it? Well, I would buy two, one to immediately rip the cover off of, Mm -hmm. and then the other one never to open. Okay. I don't know, Joe. I, that always bugs me. That's a lot of money to spend on stuff, you know. But at least they're making they're they're sending a replacement on these. So I guess things are turned they're 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 turning the boat around at DC. So that's something, right? Because they definitely this that's definitely the end of any sort of printing errors and problems like that at DC. Yes, none, no more. Moving along in the news, DC is sending out replacement copies. <laughs> Of not only last week's Action Comics 1029, but the prior week's copy of Nightwing 78 due to a printing error. No, but that's comics. That's different than Omnibuy. Okay, that's right. They, they are printed at different locations, I guess? Right. Different styles. One One's a floppy, one has a hardcover. Two different Ooh, now, animals. Oh, now I wonder... Uh, I'm going to go grab my copy of Nightwing to see what it looks like, and then i got to re-bundle up my headset here, so bear with me. Okay. I don't trust wireless headsets. I don't trust anything. That's for little kids who play. Okay. So I wanted to grab my copy of Nightwing to see if my copy had the same printing error Mm -hmm. that they're recalling. So the printing error on the Nightwing is different than the printing error on the Action Comics. Uh, The printing error on the Nightwing is on the cover where it looks almost like there's a blue watercolor background. Okay. But the actual corrected copies are just supposed to be a white background. Oh, so it looks like look. there was a, a bleed through with the ink process or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the action comics, it looks as though like the pages, like uh, there were certain pages that were just miscut and not centered. And okay. that happened with all of the copies of action comics that came out last week. Whereas this with Nightwing just happened to some. Right, so two things. I'll have to check my Nightwing copy when I get a chance. It's way on the other side of the house, so I'm not doing that. I also don't trust uh, wireless headphones, and I also don't trust anything else. Um, And two, I will give DC credit that at least there's always screwing up in new and ingenious ways. It's not the same. Like, it's never the same problem twice, so good for them. They fix one, and then, like, it's like, DC Hydra problems. If they had Hydra, it's like what you chop the head off one problem, two pop up. But that's not all mm. um, with DC. Just getting all the good DC news out of the way. Okay. Uh, another follow up from uh, a couple a week or so ago with some of those DC books, notably Batman and Joker stuff. 
uh, going to a six ninety nine or a five ninety nine price, right? With no differential, because there's a bunch of DC books that are three ninety nine or four ninety nine. If you go to the fancy card stock, we were looking at the June previews, and it looked like there was, even though the covers that were shown there in the UPC code were showing a four ninety nine price tag, the actual solicitation text said five ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that next month's Joker number two um, has already jumped up to the five ninety nine price. Right, get getting ahead of the curve on that one. DC is yeah. So I wonder how that works for on the retailer level. That this is a book that they had to have their final order cutoffs in for however long ago it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um. That now all of a sudden this book that they solicited and ordered at a four ninety nine price is now five ninety nine. There's no way that isn't returnable, man. There it, can't. I would assume it has to be right. Right. You can't just do a bait and switch like that on a character like the Joker. Mm-hmm. I I just I I just don't see it. You know what I mean? So I wonder how many will get sent back. Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I think that's that's dirty pool right there. And then you have like customers. Who ordered it, you know, and if it's not returnable, oh, I'm sorry, you have to take this, but it's going to be a dollar more and I didn't know. Yeah. I I don't know. And then conversely, as we discussed, the Batman 109 that was coming out in June that was showing at a $5.99 price has been updated on the Lunar site to just being $4.99 across the board as opposed to $5.99 across the board. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's as though somebody doesn't know what's going on over there. No. Quality um, control is firing on all cylinders, Joe. I wouldn't be surprised um, if we don't have another update on that Joker book between now and two weeks from now when it comes out. I was thinking the same thing, that it's back to four ninety nine Or something. Like, there's going to okay. be some... There, there has to be some sort of make good. Right. Changing like, the price on a book, you know, less than three weeks before it comes out. And like I said, the main thing is like the retailers getting stuck with this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I have no idea, you know, as someone who doesn't check the price of individual books, it's just like, here's my list. I'm going right. Um, you know, if you're a little bit more discerning with your income, you may want to double check what your books are actually costing you, you know? Right. I've had that happen with sticker shock in the shop. Uh-huh. Been like, oh, I ordered this, you know, so and so creator book because I wanted it, and it's, oh, this is a seven ninety nine book this month or a six ninety nine book this month. Like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, you know. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and again, we're we're hi- we're building up here, I guess, to the bigger news, the bigger and bigger news of the week. Um, again, another follow up from a couple of weeks ago. We try to keep an eye on these stories as they come out. As we passed what would have been WonderCon, uh, the folks who do that convention also do uh, San Diego. Uh, They did WonderCon at home, as a lot of comic book conventions did the at-home virtual whatever's whatever's. Mm -hmm. And uh, they officially announced that this year, over Thanksgiving weekend, is when San Diego Comic-Con is happening. Right. That. To me, that's huge. Like, well, it's not going to be a full-blown, obviously, Comic-Con. It's going to be a smaller, 
you know, like socially distant as they talk, but like hopefully we'll be better and vaccinated by then. But I'm actually shocked that they're trying to get one in at the end of the year, that they're going to get one in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this, 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 you know, cause like Baltimore was whole is holding out hope still that they'll go. There's no New York one that I know of, but uh, yeah, I wonder what kind of presence it's going to have because it's not going to be like, you're not going to have Robert Downey Jr. Like the Marvel guys, like the, the stars there or whatever. Um, but if they can, you know, make it happen, good for them. And I did see some uh, comic creators lamenting that this happening over Thanksgiving weekend mm-hmm. uh, is going to be tough to like. So uh, in the press release for this, um, if I could point to uh, this specific line here, uh spokesperson for the group says, hopefully this event will shore up our financial reserves and mark a slow return to larger in-person gatherings in 2022, okay? I saw some creators and fans lamenting that this taking place essentially as a destination for most, as a lot of people don't live in San Diego or the California area, Mm -hmm. over technically a non-secular holiday that most people use to spend with their families. Right. Um, And that there's some creators that are like, yeah, this is, like, obviously... Thanksgiving is typically the only time I get to see my family, but maybe because of the pandemic, this Thanksgiving was maybe the first time I was going to get to see my family in a long time. Or I could make some money. Or I could make some money, right. So uh, there's going to be a lot of creators, I'm sure, that are going to be torn in that regard. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that maybe, you know, I know that takes place over a break, um... I know from my uh, more active days with doing stuff for wrestling, um, the company I worked for out in Ohio would always plan their show like that Friday of Thanksgiving weekend because, you know, people come home to visit their family. And, you know, unless you have family in the greater San Diego area, this might be a tough one to swing for you. Right. But here's the way I look at it in that, like with the creators, it's different. It's the same way. You look at the wrestlers at your, you know, your uh, a, a uh, root beer wrestling show because they're probably going to be away from their families doing the show. You know what I mean? But the, so that's for the creators. But I guarantee you, nobody people will take the trip to San Diego if they want to go. They're like, ah, I'll miss my family this year and I'll go because I this might be one of the few chances I get to go to San Diego. Or it'll just be like you said, a bunch of people who go home that the tickets will be sold locally to San Diego people who probably might never get to go to the show. Um, in their hometown because it's always sold out. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. I would make the tickets available to local people first, as much as that sucks, and then see, you know what I mean, like what creators you're going to get. And you, you know what? You know what I'm trying to say, though, Joe. Yes. Okay. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting. Like, uh, uh, a month or two ago, you know, when San Diego or San Diego Baltimore announced their show for. What are they shooting for, September this year? I think so. September or October? Yeah, I think it's September. And I'm like, ooh, that's a little risky, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think, you know, here we are now a little bit further into 2021. This being announced for seven, eight months from now, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I feel as though a little bit better in that regard. And the world will be opened up a little bit more. Everyone right. still be cautious and so forth. Um. 
I, I feel as though this will happen. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see how big, as you mentioned. I do too, and I always say, plan it and cancel it. Then not plan it, and you're and you know, and you could have had it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever, it's fine. Like they said, we'll see when we get closer. But you still did take your days off for Baltimore, though, right? Yes. Good. So uh, I guess the last bit of news is probably a big one, right? And that is effective October first. Um, Marvel will be distributing their books to comic shops through Penguin slash Random House as opposed to Diamond. Well, you could still get them through Diamond. Right, but that's adding like an extra layer to your shipping. That's what our retailer was saying this week. And, but then like you get into weird stuff stuff where he's like okay the rumor is that you're going to get free shipping from dime or uh, from penguin but now you won't be getting the discount for books that you get by like your percentage of what you pay for uh at, through diamond so and i even heard rumors that diamond will get stuff secondhand like uh, penguin will get it first so like this is bi- this is huge you know what i mean this is yeah. huge all around not just ramifications for diamond alone So this is something I really didn't see happening. I, I would have. I didn't think it would happen, but now I'm looking at it. And maybe it's logical. Like it, whatever Fallout DC had, maybe Marvel had the same thing. Quality control. I mean, from the books being shipped in a sense, like damage or whatever. Or it's cheaper to go with somebody else, and that's the one I lean toward because I don't know if you know this. When something changes, follow the money, Joe. Yeah. But that's, you know, obviously you probably got a chance to talk to our local retailer more about this than I've gotten a chance to since this came out. Um, but I guess they have the choice, you know, either their normal discounts that they get through Diamond or the free shipping from Penguin Random House. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a question of who is that going to benefit more? Like how much of a discount are you getting based on how much you're ordering versus what that savings on shipping is going to be? Right. And luckily with our retailer, he said today, um, he had an account with Penguin because apparently there was like a back at a while ago, there was, I don't know, maybe years he said he hasn't used them. There was something where they were having big sales on um, hardcovers and stuff like that that were Marvel, like I guess aftermarket or whatever, you know what I mean? And he said that, well, he signed up. I don't know if he ever bought anything, but all his stuff is in place for whenever it happens. So at least, like, he has the choice. Like, I could stay with Diamond, and I don't even have to set up an account, which was the big pain when DC did it because it was like, oh, you got you got three weeks, you know what I mean, to do what you're doing and a new company. Now it's like, oh, do I want to, you know, I could look into, I could contact and be like, this is my number. What do I have to do when it starts? So luckily he's in a better place than like, you know, other retailers, but it's not going to be as hard this time either. When DC jump ship, like the Titanic was going down. So I ask, is this the beginning of the end for diamond now? I don't know if it'll be the end, but it's going to put a big, because I don't know. I've even seen articles that like some of these smaller companies are looking to like, either go someplace else too, or maybe like, you know, converge and, 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 and try to do something with themselves. But I think 
I think the days of Diamond being, you know, King High is over and maybe the end maybe the end of Diamond all around. I, I mean, you can't lose the the two biggest ones. Obviously, you could still sell some Marvel, apparently, but that's a heck of it. That's almost like half the I don't have the numbers in front of me, but half the market, you know? And I, so. so I'll say this. Um, I've noticed at least for the last two weeks, maybe three weeks, that DC product has been showing up on the Diamond website. Really? On, on Wednesday, uh, Yes. So on Wednesdays, you know, I have my routines of what I do every day. Um, and then, you know, Tuesday is getting the notes together for this show, but Wednesday is getting my, my pull list stuff together for the next two weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. And I go to the diamond website and then I have my two links that I click on, like what's coming out next week, which is, you know, locked in pretty much at that point. And that's what, and then what's coming out the week after, which is like a tentative list. Right. Right. So when I go in and look at that list for you know not next week but the week after for the last two weeks dc stuff has been on those lists well okay um like they're not on the final list but they're on the tentative list if that makes any sense okay and i remember a while back like when i go in there and i look at the list for april 7th uh, Diamond has DC stuff. Like they have the full DC solicitation there for April 7th. Mm, that's and weird. when I go on tomorrow morning, they'll have the full list on. Like when April 7th becomes like the set in stone list. Right. The DC stuff will be gone. And then when we'll see if when the April 17th list comes up or the April 14th list comes up, the tentative list, if the DC stuff will be in there, because then that'll be like three weeks in a row that it is. Right. So that's a whole new ball game then. Well, if you remember, I think earlier this year, there was like a glitch in the Matrix where like it happened like once or twice. And right, right. now we're on twice. Okay, so now it's only a coincidence. Yeah. Right. It's what they say one time is a happenstance, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. Yes. There mm -hmm. you go. But the question I'm going to throw out to you before you even think about it is what does this mean for future after this year free comic book days for Marvel? Do you think Diamond will be like, because they said, oh, DC can play in our sandbox, but now it's like, oh, if the two of you don't want to play, don't be don't be playing during free comic book day. Well, I guess they're still distributing Marvel books, so they'll let them play. But you know what I mean? Like, do you think this is the end of, like, free comic book day? Maybe one of the big two will buy the rights to free comic book day, Joe. So I, I I think what you're probably going to see is the end of free comic book day and name go away. Mm -hmm. But you're probably going to see all of these publishers doing their own thing. Like Marvel's going to do their own thing of free comic book day, not called free comic book day on free comic book day. Right. DC's Here's Marvel. Gonna, right. Yeah. DC's going to do their own thing. And then whoever's left exclusive with diamond will be part of that free comic book day. Right, Marvel's doing zero dollar comic day, <laughs> or something. But yeah, that's I right. think. So I so the two things I wonder, as I say, is this the end of Diamond? So when the October previews comes out, mm -hmm. um, is the October preview like Marvel already has its own separate previews catalog anyway? Right. DC has stopped doing a physical print copy of theirs. Mm -hmm. 
is Marvel now gonna, you know, like, because you, and you can't order DC stuff through the Diamond catalog anymore. Are we gonna get to a, well, well obviously we're probably still gonna, because Penguin is still gonna go through Diamond, but I, I wonder if this is gonna be like the slow phasing out of even any sort of Marvel presence in the catalog itself. Because even though D- Marvel does their own separate book, there's still like an eight to 10 page little supplement inside the Diamond the big previews catalog of the little bit of Marvel stuff. They're like, Hey, go check it out in the other catalog. Right. Um, taking part of that question. I think there will be a di- uh, diamond of Marvel's previews, like the one we get, but it will just be, you know, uh, distributed through penguin and then to diamond at some point, if that's where you get your books, I don't think they're going to give up the print the way DC does. I think like there are too many people like that and, and whatever they're not looking to, to, count pennies the way DC was with stuff. Um, the second part of that is, um, what was, what, what was, what were you saying? So is this, yeah. um, uh, how DC now has gone away with the, uh, gone away completely, no longer doing a print version of their previews is Marvel eventually going to do that as well. And then is there going to come a point where we are not going to be able to order? I, I was th- initially thinking like, well, we're not gonna be able to order Marvel through diamond, but right now we can, it's just, you know, Diamond's ordering through an extra step for us. Right. I think, like, you may not see the little three-page, like, ads of, like, yeah. Marvel comics. But because Marvel product is such is so licensed that it, it will be riddled throughout the previous catalog. But that three-page, like, hey, it's, it's uh, uh, King in Black month or it's our whatever cover month, like, that might go away. But, you know... That's the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. So, so busy news week. Mm-hmm. And the last bit I'm going to mention is uh, not in print, at least as far as I know, but digitally inferior five number five came out today. Okay. Someday, hopefully in print or in the trade paperback, at least. I got a feeling one of those things may happen and the other one definitely is not going to happen. Right. So uh, be sure to check out soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where you can find anytime this show goes live, if you want to, you know, not go directly to the website or through a podcatcher or an RSS feed. And I, hey, I want to mention, I guess, People were having issues with, and again, this is a very small niche of people, uh, through the web version of Stitcher to get our show. Um, It looks like it's something that happened at the beginning of the year, and I don't quite know what it is. Um, I resubmitted the feed for the three shows here, uh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, and Add Odds with Wrestling. I don't know how long those things, I was only notified about it on Friday. Uh, but if you, so it's weird. If you have the Stitcher app, no problem. If you're going through Stitcher through like a browser problem, mm-hmm. I don't, like I said, that's way out of my technical support, whatever's, but if you are a browser person through Stitcher, I think this is a better reason for you maybe to, I don't know, change your podcatcher of choice or, you know, just have a text file of RSS feeds. Right. Um, but, like I said, all the shows in the network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. I mentioned those three. Uh, I would be remiss not to mention Wednesday Night Wars, which 
You know, maybe uh, they're they're having their big hundredth episode this week. Oh, just in time world. for the Wednesday Night Wars to no longer exist in the world of professional wrestling. As I finally a truce, they br- after a hundred episodes, they finally brought a truce between the two <laughs> companies. Uh, we have that. We have Final Wrestling Place. We have Profane Arguments. We have Puzzle Warriors Three. And as we record this, the triumphant return of Wings on Wings. <laughs> uh, if there's any silver lining to people being vaccinated, it's that. That's right. Tums all around, Joe. <laughs> this is, this whole podcast is turning into a Tums festival, Todd. Right. Uh, but you can check out some of the other stuff, friends and creative like-minded individuals uh, like ourselves. Uh, my friend Kevin Hellions has a, uh, has a website, Masked Library, where he does a lot of comic book reviews and related stuff in the uh, written form. Uh, Rick Williams, the chop shop with his cool little resin, sci-fi, fantasy, wrestling, etc. sort of stuff. Uh, friends of the show, Jason Sandberg and uh, Chris Runt with their digital comics over at Comixology, Jupiter, and Battle Monsters, respectively. Uh, and of course, we mentioned them before talking about this whole shakeup with Diamond and Penguin, our comic book shop, Comics on the Green. If you don't have a comic book shop in your area or the comic book shop in your area isn't the best, our comic book shop does a very brisk, very good, high-end, very good, I would say. I would give it a 4.9999 stars because no one's perfect. Right. What would um, it be in the Tokyo Dome, though, Joe? Right. If it was in the Tokyo Dome, <laughs> it'd be a 7.99999. Um, right. They do a brisk mail order subscription-based thing, and you may even get a fancy artwork piece on your package from our friend Becky, and you could check out her Instagram for some of the art that she does, uh, commissions and whatnot. All of the links to all this stuff are in the show notes that accompany every episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to brush through this quickly. Digital sales and freebies. There's a ton. Uh, Marvel is having sales on Beta Ray Bill stuff, Black Cat stuff, and Silk. Uh, Silk, the newest member of the Spider family. Peter Parker's long-lost sister, maybe, kind of, sort of. Okay. Some holdover sales uh, from the last couple weeks. Uh, IDW's Ninja Turtle stuff. Dynamite with their James Bond stuff. DC, uh, in a rare instance, because uh, usually they do a new sale every week, but this sale's been going on for two weeks now. Explore the multiverse. Good on you, I say. Uh, <laughs> DC, uh, IDW also having a sale on Godzilla-related stuff. Oni Press having a sale on Scott Pilgrim-related stuff. Titan having a sale on Doctor Who-related stuff. And Image having a sale on Invincible-related stuff. Hey, uh, publicly or privately, let me know if you've watched uh, any of the Invincible animated deal on Amazon. I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet, and I have some questions. <laughs> but like I said, all of this information is also in the show notes with every episode uh, that goes up. Right. Uh, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where yes, would you I- like to begin? I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Alien from Marvel Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador LaRocca. Uh, basically, this takes place, they even let you know in the book that it's taking place in the year tw- uh, 2200, which is about like uh, 21 years after the second movie takes place. They tell you when the first movie takes place and the, the second movie. So this is 
you know, at least it puts it in a timeline for me. And it basically brings up the character of, I believe his name is Gabriel, um, who is having uh, a, a therapist, which is a bishop android, um, talking to him about something that apparently happened to him with aliens. We're not 100% sure, but he's like, he's remembering a run in, in with them. And he's talking about like, like what they are, like, like, you know, writhing, like locust kind of a creature. And I'm like, okay, I get all this beautifully, uh, d- illustrated by LaRocca. La so, and along in there, there's like this female woman that he's seeing. That's, I don't know if it's supposed to represent the queen or, or, or not, because she looks like a human alien hybrid. But I think his, cause he's saying he's having trouble with his memories. That's something like what does she represent either the queen or, or something else? We're not sure, but he's getting, he's retiring from Epsilon station, which is an orbit around earth. And he's going home. He was head of security. Uh, and the Bishop robots like, well, I'll talk to you later on earth. I'm going to download myself into another robot and we'll, we'll keep talking and we'll work this out. And he does, he kind of has another meeting with them during it. But we find out that while he was on the Epsilon station for years that his son had died somehow. And now he's going home to meet his other son and his son may be with a radical group who hates the corporation. And he's only using his father, seeing his father because he blames him for his brother's death to get some credentials off him secretly. So he can go up to Epsilon station because that's where they keep all the mind altering stuff and the, the, the programs, the secret illegal programs that corporate is doing and they go up there and maybe it's not like mind control stuff or the weird stuff that the kid thinks maybe he unleashes something else, (laughs) Joe. And in the end we get like the kids on the station and it looks like somehow the father's going to find out and he has to go back to Epsilon Station to save him. Um, I really enjoyed this book. It was a slow burn. Like if you're expecting a lot of alien type action, there's only a couple of flashbacks and what kind of sort of happens at the end. But I'm okay with that because every alien movie I've ever seen doesn't start with the aliens hitting the ground running. I think it's a bit of a detriment to uh, new readers, but like who've never read an alien comic, but I enjoyed it. And I liked uh, Salvador's art is beautiful, especially like when he's doing Lance Harrickson, it's like perfect. It's the same reason they have him for a lot of the star Wars books is because he can nail likenesses and how things people who know licensed property expect things to look, you're going to get what you expect things to look like in this book. So I recommend it if you're an alien fan, as long as you have the right mindset going in. So I like the alien stuff, but it's not one of my favorite lores, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and obviously this takes place outside of the regular Marvel universe or whatever. Right. Let me know when Xenomorphs start showing up in X-Men or something. That's going to happen. That's yeah. going to happen. And uh, this is my second favorite property. But like I, in the previews as we're doing them now, Predator has just popped up in the preview. So I'm like... Boy, Marvel's firing on all cylinders just in time to go to Penguin. Just in time, sure. <laughs> so the other book that uh, I was looking forward to coming out this week, and I think you probably read as well, which was Maestro War and Pax number three. Yes. Uh, written by Peter David with art by Javier Pena. Uh, now, so I don't want to give this book the short shrift because I enjoyed it, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel as though this has been the lightest of the issues 
um, in this new run by Peter David, right? I, right. I can explain this to you by, at the end of issue two, um, they, the Pantheon, got the drop on Banner, the maestro, right? And they have him captured, and they try to get into his mind. They have a big knockdown, drag-out sort of battle with him, and they play a certain... They tried to play one trump card on him, maybe, earlier in the issue. They play another trump card on him later in the issue, and that's how they're able to get the, I would say, as about as definitive as a drop on the Hulk as you can. Right. Without giving away too, too much. Without, you know, I think, but that's really all that happens at this issue. But it's a, it's an exciting issue, right? Stuff happens. Yep. My biggest concern with this is, where's Doom? I was just going to say, I was like, we were led that this was going to be a Doom story. And I'm worried because Maestro takes over the world so that I... Kind you kind of know that Doom's going down at some point, which I do never, I don't agree with. But I we were led a belief like the first issue that that Doom was in this, and he's only been in it sparingly. And I'm fine, and I'm not fine with that. The other thing is the the reveal that they do towards the end of this issue. Um, like you said, everything's happened. I felt like that was telegraphed a mile. I I totally was like, what's happening is a little hinky, blah blah blah. But I'm with you. Like this, this should be Maestro versus Doom, and it's Maestro versus the Pantheon. Right, and I, I and I'm okay, and I'm okay with that. And you know, the 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 bit at the end was telegraphed because if this card don't get you, this one will. Again, trying to not be spoilery on this, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're familiar with any Hulk stuff that they've kind of uh, uh, reinforced over the last twenty some years, you know, you'll know what we're talking about. So we know that the maestro wins because this is kind of like his prequel story. Right. So I really can't get bought by what happens at the end of the issue because I know what happens after this. Right. And in the solicitation text for this issue, it says (laughs) the Pantheon has the maestro on the ropes or so they think. But the maestro's true enemy is about to show his face. And no one is going to like the future he has planned. That don't happen in this book. Maybe the enemy is the Pantheon. But it says that he's fighting the Pantheon. Well, maybe they're showing their true face by betraying him. I don't know. I'm just saying. I I don't read the solicitations for something beforehand until um, after I've read the book. So I don't have things spoiled on me. But it's more so, it's like, okay, here's what it was solicited as, and here's what we got, and sometimes it doesn't exactly line up. No, I get you, and I'm just, you know, joshing you, giving you a gentle ribbing, because who wants Dr. Doom in this book more, you or me? Well, definitely you, Mm -hmm. but I also want him in this. No, I know. But this was good, don't let, like, I don't want this to deter you from reading this, but it just felt as though... This felt like the most middle-of-the-story issue of a five-part miniseries as there's ever been. Right. And technically, it's literally the middle of the run. Yes. So. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting on the corrected copy from DC, or 
You're ordering through Diamond, who in turn are ordering through Penguin. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, we are currently knotted up at eight correct guesses apiece. Now, before we dive in to what we're looking at, right? Right. Um, a retailer that I follow on Twitter uh, out on the West Coast, Mike Sterling, uh, before we started recording, tweeted out that he got a lot of phone calls as he was closing up shop asking what time he opens up tomorrow. Uh-oh, which, what's the hot book? Which is like, he's like, okay, I'm looking at the list, and there's nothing jumping out at me as like the new hot book, or the book where something happens, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, I'm looking at your books, and I'm looking at mine, and I'm not really seeing anything either, you know? Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the news cycle looks like Wednesday morning when that information gets uh, sussed out, you know? Right, and hopefully we have that book, Joe. Yes. So we can, so we can retire. Draw, it's someone's first appearance. It's a rookie comic. Right, right. I can go get it slabbed. Hopefully it's at least a gem mint 8.5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. PGX, here I come. I'm waiting for that email back any day now. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, you went first. Uh, what are you? What are you? What are you looking at here? I'm looking over your list. Um, is anybody uh, on the creative team that's noteworthy of Beta Ray Bill? Is there anyone noteworthy on the creative team of Beta? Ray like Bill? this isn't like J- Jason Aaron doing Beta Ray Bill, right? Um, it's written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Okay. Um, um it's. You know, he's done, like, Cable, maybe, I guess. Right, and I hear rumors that it's maybe a King in Black tie-in, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going, I just was making sure that I didn't miss something on that book. Um, Is the book you're looking forward to most crossover number five? No, it's Beta Ray Bill, number one. Oh, I should have picked Beta Ray Bill, number (laughs) one. Yeah, it's just like, Beta Ray Bill's like a cool weirdo character, you know? He got his start in the, you know, 80s or whatever, and... It's tied in close enough to what's going on in Thor and what's going on in King in Black. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a whirl. You know, I'm excited to, to read this. It seems like a light, fun romp. I gotcha. Makes Whereas sense. you, looking at your list, and I need to correct an error there. Well, um, the, the double O? Yes. M- M-O-O-N spells moon. Right. That's T-W, double O, ha-ha, M-double-O-N. <laughs> And let's say double S. No, <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is the aforementioned. Well, what's going on in Flash six, uh, 768? Still the same creative team, middle of a storyline, beginning nope. of a storyline. It's after Future State. So it's the new creative team. And uh, it's a Wally centric story, I believe. I'll take a shot and say two moons. Number two is the one you're most looking forward to coming out this week. Should have went with the flash. Like I should have went with beta Ray bill. Yeah. All right. It's always like, like I said, I lean towards like, hopefully we'll get the new Mark Wade or Jeff Johns on the flash. That's always what I'm hoping for. I think you may have something there with the, uh, the Wally stuff might maybe kind of sort of be in the hot book. That everyone's looking at, you know? Maybe that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I didn't even think about that, but I have it. I own it. It's in my bag. Well, I haven't bought it yet. We'll see. 
So no movement there. I'd like to see that. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and, of course, the ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues. I am reading the uh, 2000-ish era Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, Jonah Hex run, and Todd is having the time of his life <laughs> Reliving the 90s as only he can with the Spider-Clone saga. And Todd, I'm going to turn things over to you to begin. Right. So my first issue was uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 222. Um, art by, uh, I believe it was written by Tom DeFalco. Um, art by, like, once again, I think it was Salvi Sima and, and Sienkiewicz. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, finishes, blah blah blah. So that I, I talked about, I kind of like that last time. It's it, it is what it is on this one. Um, but it starts out with Kane is going through the rubble of the base that Ben and and uh, Peter were at fighting the Jackal and Jack, and he's looking for a computer for proof of who the real Peter is, and he's downloading something. Um, while he's there, another pod opens up, and uh, Peter pops out. So at this point, it's like, okay, you know, is this like, as we were talking about, he was the real Peter and I've done some math, Joe. So okay. at this, at this point, I believe, okay. Cause I'm going to keep Kane out of it. Cause we discussed Kane, but in the story, this is the fifth Peter clone that we've had because we've had, or no, or a fifth Peter, at least fourth clone, because we've had somebody's an original Peter Parker. We got Peter and Ben. Right. So that's two. We got, we had the Guardian. That's three. We had the, uh, the, 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 the little person Jackal. Right. The imp Jack. And, and then now we have this, one. this, this one. Right. So when we get to the reveal with Kane, it'll be six. But right now I'm just going to go with five. <laughs> so that's just. Oh, yeah, how, you, what do you, what do you mean Kane is a. Another Peter Parker clone. Todd, what do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Am I jumping ahead on the script? <laughs> um, so the, the the Peter tally is five as of right now. Mm -hmm. um, but so he opens it up. Uh, um, Jackal shows up and uh, J uh, Jackal's like uh, thought Kane was, was dead. Like something would have had happened to him, Joe. I can't imagine what would have, you know, made him melt into the background if you will um so they have a bit of a discussion while that's going on uh scryer shows up and jackal's like oh i wonder what he knows kane's like i'm not ready for this i'm splitting i got i, I don't want any part of like what's going on here so but then he notices that uh pd5 has disappeared so we don't know where he is um while this is going on uh Ben is watching Flash coach some kids at, uh, during basketball in a gymnasium somewhere. And the other subplot is that MJ's at the doctor because she was worried about the spider bite uh, and the radiation and how it will affect him. And the doctor says there's, there's a small, you know, anomaly that he wants to look at. So now she's all, all nervous. Um, while that's going on, Kane is having more visions of the death of MJ, uh, well, uh, also, uh, Jackal has left his old place and he's moved to a new lab where he's making monsters, apparently. Um, 
Peter is warned by J. Jonah Jameson about Detective What About Me, What About Raven, and there's a murder, like th- like the thing for the the killer is coming down the pike, and he doesn't know, like, sh- can he trust Ben? Is he a murderer, or is this all, all fake? Now, the only thing I have here is, I'm going to stop here for a second, because I know you leave certain parts of Spider-Clone out. All I know is, this is the first time Peter's finding out from Jonah about maybe the murders and Ben is possibly, you know, Raven's looking for him. We haven't skipped anything uh, in a couple weeks. Okay, because I know there was that moment where Detective Raven went to J. Jonah and things were weird. So, all right, so this is... So, yeah, so it's... We may have, like, read things in a little bit out of release order just so we could read, like, Web of Life in order and then Web of Death in order and, like, when it was coming out, it was like an issue of Web of Life, an issue of Web of Death, an issue of Web of Life, blah, 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 where I wanted to read you, have you read these four first and then these four separate. Okay, so that might be a little what's throwing me off, like Maybe. if I miss something. But that's fine. I understood what was going on. He's dropping that, uh, you know, that they're, I guess that they're looking for Ben or and or Peter kind of a deal. So whatever, I, I, I get what's going on. So... Um, at this point, Kane has the the the, the uh, stuff that he stole from Jackal's computer, and he goes to see. This is a heavy issue, by the way, Joe. Lots going on. So Kane gives Peter the news that apparently by this, the proof that he has, he's the real deal. Um, but Pete thinks he's messing with them, so he dresses up as you know Spider Man because apparently Kane doesn't know Peter's Spider Man or whatever, and. He goes like you mess with my buddy and this is this is wrong. But Kane's starting to think like, wait a minute, well, this doesn't make much sense. I dropped this this news on Peter and I'm not ready for to fight Spider-Man. So did Kane play me? Kind of a deal, which I'm guessing he did at this point because everything's going on. Jackal ends up at the where Flash and Ben Riley are, and he ends up attacking uh Flash. And Ben ends up like you know helping him, and Jack real re- reveals that he has a co- he has a copy of the information from Jackal's computer too, and he may have to use it because Jackal's not working on the degeneration of like clones, and he wants you know he doesn't want to die, so he's like this is my ace in the hole if if I if I do, and then it ends with uh, Peter Five hitchhiking away kind of remembering who he is but not really like his memories like swiss cheese so that's the way uh this this issue ends this 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 issue was awful joe just all around awful of like playing like we're already like playing like we have proof definitive proof now i don't know if it's because i know what's coming and 48 more weeks of fun, but it's like, oh, like everybody's got proof. And if everybody's got proof, nobody's got proof, Joe. And the whole MJ thing, and and I, I don't know. This this issue's just got awful. I'm gonna reserve my remarks until we're doing the next issue. Go ahead. Okay, so the next issue is Web of Spider-Man One Two Tree. Um uh, they they just well, while Ben is fighting the jackal, like there's these all these like inferences of there's only so much time and you're and uh, running out of time. Time stuff out the the wazoo, and uh, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen to poor Jack. 
Um, Ben ends up saving Jack's life while they're fighting uh, these monsters, which were kimono dragons in the last issue. Now they're changed DNA or something. I don't know. They're like centipedes in this issue. Right. It's like two completely different characters and the creatures. And the only way it's described is through the text because two artists had two different visions of what was going on. Um, so he saves Jack and Jack's like, Oh, that kind of like, you know, do I owe him kind of thing? Um, just basically Peter and Kane are just fighting. Like, I'm just not even going to go over most of that. Um, Ben beats the Jackal who like is really weird because like Ben and Peter together couldn't beat him. But then haha, Jackal has a plan because earlier I said he wants to know what was going on at Ravencroft with uh scryer and judas traveler so the easiest way to get in without anybody knowing is just be made an inmate blah 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 i think he really wants to talk to wild whip joe the return of wild whip very soon um so while that's going on jack is gives the file to ben that he had but then uh, Jackal snaps his fingers and immediately jack degenerates and turns into a puddle which I kind of like and I kind of hate because, like you always say, it's a clone gets messed up when we need it to happen. Yes. And now they're establishing maybe Jackal has the ability to do it whenever. Like, they have a certain amount of life, but he can do it whenever he wants. So does that make whenever one happens in the story when Jackal wants it to happen? So it explains it or... I have a feeling it's going to get worse and it has nothing to do with that. But do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. So for dramatic purposes, it's not just whenever it's the Jackal doing it. Um, so the third, uh, fifth Peter is wandering around. He's like hitchhiking. He doesn't re- like now we're starting to get, maybe somebody called me Ben, uh, Peter. Is that who I am? I don't have any memories, uh, before the pod. Now here comes the most important part, Joe. Aunt May wakes up. Road to recovery, baby. Um, I was like, yay, like we get a little little more Aunt May. So that was fun. And then Ben's kind of like, oh, well, I have the proof that I'm the real Peter Parker, but uh, I don't really need it because I believe I'm the clone. I'm not really sure. He throws the proof into the bay without ever reading it. And uh, at this point, at the end, we go into that the uh, fifth Peter is like losing his mind because he's starting to realize that he has powers and he doesn't know who he is. Um, this issue wasn't as bad because it wasn't uh, as dense as the other one. It's still pretty bad, but the whole like mishmash of who's who you're both real. You're not the clone. There's a third clone. It's like, this is the crappiest game of three card Peter I've ever seen. So what is your take on these issues? Uh, both of these issues stunk out loud. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked, maybe for like the last two weeks is like, this is the beginning where like the wheels are starting to fall off, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say the wheels are falling off, but these last three weeks of issues that we've read, which is about five or six issues are definitely maintenance issues but not maintenance issues to fix what's going on. We're going to get to those toward the end of the year. But Mm -hmm. these were the maintenance issues of like, how could we convolute this more to drag it out longer? Right. Because it's selling so well. We don't want to. Right. It was selling well, right? I'm not trying to. It was selling huge. And so that's the thing. So 
you know, as you know, if you are a Patreon person and you listen to uh, Previewing the Past, when we do get those, you know, the top hundred selling books consistently on Marvel side, you know, Amazing Spider-Man was always in the top, like at least 10 or 15 alongside the X books, right? Mm-hmm. So an Amazing Spider-Man was always and even to this day is a consistent like top 10, top 15 seller uh, monthly. And the other spider titles were like, eh, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas Spider-Clone Saga lifted the sales of these three other books to being that of Amazing Spider-Man. Right, the rising tide and whatnot. Right, and this was one of those things where it wasn't like, oh, there was a bump and then a gradual decline. It was a bump and then it stayed there. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, if these books now here, you know, if I look back, excuse me, um, you know, obviously we've only been doing this now for about 12 weeks or so, whereas in the grand scheme of things, this has been going on in the actual publishing for six months, right? Mm-hmm. So if here now we are six months in and there's no decrease in the books, the other three books are still selling the same amount as the main title. They're like, well, let's keep pushing this for as long as it goes, because the minute this storyline stops, those three books are going to go back to their regular sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they saw moonlighting. They're like, if we if Dave and Maddie get together, the show's over. So right. if we find out who the real clone is, the show's over. Right. Um, so let's ride this out. And I think it was the wise choice, Joe. And th- history's on the side of the clone saga. It will be remembered forever. I noticed you didn't say remembered fondly forever. Mm, well, apparently but, you remember it fondly, but so there's so there's another bit in here where so a lot of it that's left in here, obviously in retrospect, is still the bones of what was supposed to happen initially, the way that this was pitched was that Ben Riley, the person who's been gone for five years, has been the original Peter. And the book that we've been reading for the last five years has been The Clone, right? Mm-hmm. So this is an echo of that initial storyline, because back in Amazing Spider-Man, like 150, 170, whatever, the original Clone Saga thing, so after, as they've discussed here, you know, Jackal has the Spider-Clone, there's question as to who's who, Peter beats the other clone and throws him down the smokestack, right? Right. So that was three issues back in the 70s, and no one ever paid it no mind until this. Well, there's issues after that, initial clone saga back in the 70s, which do actually end up coming up like way later down the road to kind of help make sense of all this. Right. Is that Peter is having doubts of whether or not, because, you know, the Jackal, like, put that doubt in his head, like, are you the clone, are you the real one, or whatever. So he went and had tests done on himself to see if he was the authentic one, or if he was a clone, and there was a way that they could figure it out. So he gets the results, but he never looks at them. Mm -hmm. Because he knows, because of his love for Mary Jane, uh, that he's really the, the real Peter, and not a clone. Right. Because the clone was from a certain point in time, and if the clone was from, if he was the clone, he would still have feelings for Gwen Stacy, as opposed to Mary Jane, because of whatever, whatever. So he, like, incinerates or burns or throws out the results and never looks at them. As you do. Right, and that was their loophole here, where Ben does the same thing. Mm -hmm. When he's given the results that say he's the real Peter Parker, 
And he says, no, I know deep in my heart I'm just a clone, and it's something I have to live with, so I'm not even going to look at this. So it's poetry is what you're saying. <laughs> right. It's poetry, so it rhymes much like the Star Wars se- uh, prequels. Right. Um, and then next week, uh, when we'll get, we'll get to it when we get to it, is uh, that amazing Spider-Man 400 with the uh, shocking reveal that happens there. Right, it says at the end of the issue, a Parker dies, so it must be Ben, Peter, or third Peter. Fifth or, Peter. Four, or fourth or fifth or sixth Peter. Right, but I know it's the end of that stupid Aunt May 6 storyline because they're putting it to, to rest with a tombstone cover, Joe. Yay, Aunt May. <laughs> uh, so I think we could breeze through Jonah Hex 21 here kind of quickly. Sure, one of the worst of the uh, 70 issue run, but go ahead. Um, so I wouldn't say this was the worst, mm-hmm. but it was definitely like I would say like boilerplate Jonah, right? And there's two stories in it that don't even have no reason to be together. Um, so I was gonna ask that because I, I tried to make sense of it at the beginning and the end. Because there's the whole thing where the the three women show up at Red Mesa and they're given like a little like they're given names, um, like okay, th- like these might be major characters, and then no, we get a two page uh, spread of you know maybe some implied and maybe not so implied some horrible things that happen to these three women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just cut to you know uh another town where Jonah is in a, or or there's a shootout um, with the uh, Pinkertons in Plimpton. Yep. And as that's going on and like, so like those first like three pages have nothing to do with with what happens with the rest of the story until we get like to the last page of the book. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Pinkertons are going around robbing banks no, no. The Pinkertons were detectives and they would be hired by rich people to do stuff. This group of people were robbing banks and uh, the people the who owned the banks were trying to stop them. Right, hired the Pinkertons. Pinkertons are very famous. Like the Pinkertons, did you ever see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? No. Oh, okay. Well, that was who was after them through the whole movie. Like that that's like a famous trope. Not a trope because they actually existed, but in westerns it was always the Pinkertons. They weren't sheriffs because they weren't like actual law officials. They were hired detectives and stuff like that. Sorry, but go ahead. No, so um, so now the Pinkertons fail. Uh, Montana and his group get away, and they now hire Jonah to take them down. Right? Mm-hmm. They, uh, Montana and his crew, are on their way to or through Devil's Paw, and Joan is on their tail, but not, like, fast on their tail, if that makes any sense. Right. And uh, they're just like, ah, he's by himself, it's a bunch of us, um, you know, he probably doesn't have the same munitions and, you know, supplies that we have, so we got him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they go into the caves there to set up camp uh, near Devil's Paw, where they run upon uh, a Native American and uh, an Apache, if you will, and they get uh, scared by him because it's dark. They're they're weary and so forth. And in trying to shoot at the Apache, who knows the lay of the land and gets around them, they end up shooting their own horses. Okay, mm-hmm. 
Uh, obviously, this allows Jonah to get the jump on them. Uh, Jonah is in a standoff with the leader of the group, Montana. And Montana gets distracted again by the Apache, who assists Jonah in taking down Montana, who also scal- scalps Montana and the rest of his crew. And now Jonah is going to bring these guys back to get the reward, or as many of them as he can, to get the reward, right? Mm-hmm. So when Jonah comes back, he comes back to that town, Red Mesa, where we saw those three women show up, and he goes into the saloon, and I think we're supposed to be led to believe that those three women are among the scattered bodies. They are. That's what I gather. Right, right. But there's, like, far too many women than just those three. Um, There's implications of, you know, even worse stuff that was implicated in that two-page spread earlier in the issue. And then Jonah, in a classic bit of uh, frontier justice, um, lights the place on fire. And then as everyone comes running out of the burning saloon, he just guns them all down. Right. He's got your choice. Come out and I'll gun you down or stay and, and burn to death. Yeah. I have. A theory- and that's really it. That's all that happens in this issue. Like a very boilerplate. Like, here's a thing that happens. Right. I have a weird theory about this story is that. The people who do the stuff in the in the saloon were supposed to be Pinkerton men, but the Pinkertons, like to this day, still exist. And I, I have like a weird feeling. It was like, no, you cannot say that the Pinkertons are these debauched people. You know what I mean? So make them separate groups because the story makes more sense if he's hired by the Pinkertons, goes gets these bank robbers, comes back and sees that the Pinkertons are dirtbags. And guns them all down. But because it's a legitimate name like Coca-Cola, you can't that's slander kind of a deal. I, I have no proof to this and would love to ask Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray if I ever met them. Again. You know, you could just tweet it at them. I could, but like Jim, Jimmy's pretty good mm-hmm. at uh being interactive and replying to his fans. I will say this about Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, a while back, I had questions about art from Jonah Hex's book. Yeah. And he's like, I'm like, I don't know. I know you'd know. And I'll go down the road. It was like, because it was Darwin Cook. And I know I I had an opportunity to buy some Darwin Cook artwork from Jonah Hex. And I didn't trust what it was because with different things, like, and I'm like, Jimmy, can I ask you a question about art? He's like, slide right into my DMs. And we had maybe an hour conversation DMing each other back and forth about Darwin Cook's art on Jonah Hex. And he's like, that's real, but it might not be what you're looking for because it's not pencil and ink. What, what that he would do some pages, pencil and ink and other pages he would do, um, uh, he would do digitally and then be like, all right, I like what I did here. I don't, I'm not going to redo it on paper. I'm just going to print it out and then ink over what I did. So he goes, what you have is a printed out, piece with inks over it so technically he did draw on it but he didn't pencil on it underneath i don't know if that's your deal things changed i'm like yeah i'm not really interested in that at what they're asking for the price if it was pencils and inks i would i would i would have shot the wad you know what i mean but it wasn't so i when it was done i was like thank you and i ended up like pushing his kickstarter and stuff like on my twitter not that i have too many you know i have more followers than him or anything but in i was like nicest creator man I will totally do. But like I said, I'm just weird about asking, bringing up like debauched itch issues in public on Twitter, but I probably could. He wouldn't mind, you know? 
Yeah, and you know what? I'll say this. If you don't do it, I will. You know what? You're gung-ho. Go for it, man. So what am I asking him about the Pinkertons? Um, I, I would just say is if the the in the like was there any changes to the script in issue what issue does this have uh, twenty one I think twenty one because uh, I have I don't know something like that I wouldn't even know how to ask it myself. So uh, the Pinkerton, you think that the Pinkertons were supposed to play a bigger part in the book? Yeah. It was. I think the Pinkertons were supposed to be the. Were the Pinkertons? Were the the dirtbags that were gunned down in issue twenty one originally supposed to be Pinkerton agents? And, and was it changed or something like that? Be, or and was it changed to just random, you know, thugs? You're a better you know writer than I am. You could say we're reviewing, you know, Jonah Hex through the years. Okay. I'm just going to say a weird question about issue 21 and Jonah Hex. Were the Pinkertons supposed to be who Jonah gunned down at the end of the issue and it got changed? Mm-hmm. See, look at you streamlining my ramble. Is that clear enough, I guess? Sure. And if he, and if he doesn't understand, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll clarify. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk and, you know, if you need me to explain anything, I will. Right. With that. So next week, a little bit easier, a little bit lighter. Jonah Hex issue 22 and Amazing Spider-Man number 400. Right. I, uh, I, milestone issue. I'm going to guess probably all we need to read is the main story. If you say so, because I uh, read whatever's in there. Let me look. Well, you know. Not that we haven't taken enough time already with this this episode. You know what I mean? Well, there was a lot of good Clone Saga stuff to talk about, Joe. Well, there, was a lot of clones. there was a lot of Clone Saga stuff to talk about. Poor Jack. You were taken from us too soon. Okay. So let me look here. Because like I said, I know issue 400 is like a big one, right? Mm-hmm. And... That's a legacy number. Uh-huh. Mark Bagley art. That's always nice to see. <clears throat> oh boy. Just even as I'm skimming through this, right? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Okay. So there's a second feature. Written by J.M. DeMatties, that is a retelling of Amazing Fantasy number 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only like eight pages, but I'm making the executive order that we're okay with skipping that. But I don't know Spider-Man's origin, Joe. You're, you're the one, huh? Yep. <laughs> um. So, uh, hey, longboxheroes.com, while you're over there, you can support us. By uh, purchasing shirts and pins and stickers directly from us in the store link. Uh, you could also head over to tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. That'll take you to our Tee Public store. I don't know when the sales are going on this month. I didn't get that email from them. Uh, but when I know, you'll know. I have a question for you on shirts, Joe. Oh, okay. You know the shirts that we have in boxes at our house? Yeah. Are those ultra mega rare rookie long box heroes t-shirts? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. 
collector's was, items. Once they're gone, they're gone. Limited right. print run. Right. The first print run of shirts we ever did. So technically they're rookie shirts, Joe. <laughs> and rookie pins and rookie stickers. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Rookie, rookie, rookie. <laughs> collector's item, limited print run, scares. Get, right. License to print money. <laughs> Um, you could also support us, uh, by getting more of us for as little as a dollar a month through our Patreon. You get two bonus shows of Todd and I every month. One, uh, previewing the past where we look at that month's previews catalog 30 years ago. Uh, we're coming up on April 1991, which is the solicitation for the Rob's X-Force number one. Ooh. And if that's not enough to entice you, I don't know what is. And I stand by it was an X-Force that kickstarted the speculator craze. It was Silver Surfer 50. <laughs> Time will still tell. That's right. Uh, the other bonus show is Six Never Seen Movies, where I assign Todd six movies he's never seen. He assigns me six movies I've never seen. We're fresh off the heels of us discussing I'm Going to Get You Sucker. And then uh, next week we'll announce what the next movie for April is here. Uh, if you're a patreon subscriber whether it be at the dollar level or the five dollar level level you already know what those are five dollar level gets you those bonus shows two weeks before everyone else and it gets you after dark like three days before everyone else right when you said the movie for april i was gonna say you got your wife involved in this show <laughs> then i realized it was the month you met the things i try to get that poor woman involved in Ugh. Uh, but another way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your Amazon purchases through the click-through banner at the top of longboxheroes.com. It does not cost you anything extra to make your purchases through there. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Mm -hmm. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include... Birthday Llama Garland, Funny Alpaca Face Portrait Bunting, Hilarious Birthday Party Supplies. Mm. I'm like, laughing already. All I can think about is me and my llama from Sesame Street. Do you remember that at all? No? I yes. don't. It was the one, it was a song. It was a kid on Sesame Street. It was a little, like, mini part of the show. And it was me and my llama. Me and my llama. And like she had a pet llama and it was like teeth scraping. And it was like how, how to take care of a pet llama for some reason. Swear to God, episode of Sesame I don't Street. doubt it. Mm -hmm. I don't I'm going to be looking for that as we, as we discuss more. Yes. But. Um, also purchased was a Cuisinart brand microwave popcorn maker, which I didn't know was a thing. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased a Canon image wireless laser printer. And uh, I was having some issues with my printer this weekend. And I was thinking like, oh boy, do I have to break down and buy a new one? Mm -hmm. My printer and, died too. Yes, luckily I did not. And I'm assuming in preparation for this weekend, somebody purchased uh, two different editions of these Stations of the Cross. Mm-hmm. So thank you to anyone and everyone who's made any of the purchases through the Amazon click-through this week, last week, or forever. Right. Todd, do we have any art attacks this week? We have two art attacks that I know of. Um, 
One is from uh, Matt Turner. Um, his daughter Lily drew someone from My Hero Academia, uh, which is very nice. And I like when the artist is so proud that they hold up and take. The, I love that when like an artist actually you know shows off their piece. Um, I am not a My Hero Academia fan, so I don't know who the the character is. It's a Zuku, but uh, I'm guessing that's what they look like. Nice piece, you know, beautiful, vibrant action in the hair and everything. Uh, so yeah, nice piece. My Hero Academia is on the Netflix, and when my kid was in the anime for a hot minute, I was trying to get him to watch it, and uh, he did not pick up on it. You know, he plays his video games now. There was a Fortnite anime. Maybe he'd watch that. I think Lily did a fantastic job here, and I also like her stylized signature at the bottom of the page there. Yeah, always a good signature. That's what you need to be an artist. Talent, No, don't worry about it. A good signature will get you through, Joe. That's right. Mm -hmm. And also our good buddy DJ uh, sent in, he got a Brian Haberlin, Abe Sapien sketch coaster from Hero Initiative Drink and Draw. Um, Pictures can't do it justice. It's amazing. Thanks to Brian and Hero Initiative for doing stuff like these in these troubling times. Um, (laughs) That's a great piece. I know um, how pumped he was when he got, you know, his choice of, of artists. So that's really cool. And, you know, there was various other people and they, sometimes they draw, like you get to watch them do it in like a zoom meeting. Sometimes they do it beforehand, but I really like it. And it all goes to the hero initiative, uh, charity. And that's a really great piece. That's how I got my spider Jerusalem from Derek Robertson. Um, really cool. I like that. Yep. Uh, as, as DJ mentions there, um, the picture, the photo online does not do it justice. And I say, I don't know, man. That's a really nice. You, you, I can tell from that picture how nice that is. So in person, if it looks nicer than that, uh, that's a pretty nice piece of art. I'll tell you, sometimes it, it, even though it looks amazing in a picture, I've had stuff that like, you're like, wow, that looks really cool. picture. And then I've had people look at it and go that, oh my God. So I totally get it. I totally get it, Joe. So I think that's it for the main show before we get into TV talk of both the Flash and Falcon Winter Soldier. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, So again, we're not doing what we did before, but, you know, let's just take a moment here. Uh, Let's talk about the Flash first. Right. Um... So this is the real first episode of this season. Yep, definitely. Um, so while the Team Flash are attempting to help rebuild uh, Central City because it's strong, <laughs> uh, they, the city, is being attacked by Abracadabra, who, when you compare him to some uh, flashback footage that they show. Uh, this Abracadabra is wearing a Legends of Hero quality wig. What? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and, same actor though. Same actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so th- that's the A. It's the same actor, but he's wearing a wig, right? Right. Um, we'll get back to the A story because there's more stuff that happens in the A story. Um, B story is. Uh, Caitlin is having headaches. Right. C story is, uh, Iris is attempting not to deal with the trauma that she experienced while being trapped in the mirrorverse. Right. 
Um, so those are all things that, like, Iris deals with her uh, trauma, or at least begins to deal with it. Um, the headaches cause Caitlin and Frost to separate. But like I said, the main story is the stuff with Abracadabra, right? Right. I just want to say with the Killer Frost thing, I think this is a great way to get around pandemic rules by doing having this actress play do split screen. So you can have one person talk to themselves and really don't have to have people in the same room. It's like, we'll do the old split screen trick, evil twin, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we're good to go. Those Some real COVID- fatty Duke stuff going on here. Right, that could those COVID regulations don't apply to these scenes, Joe. <laughs> they don't apply to identical cousins, right? Yeah, so you get it, you know. So I only mention this because I'm glad that this was the fourth episode of the season as opposed to the first episode of the season because mm-hmm. this was kind of weak. Oh, I thought it was kind of bad, but anyway, go ahead. Um, Abracadabra is a bit of an overactor for my liking, but not in a fun way where. I think he would fit in swimmingly on the cast of Legends of Tomorrow. Wig overacting, weirdly defined future powers. Um, but in the what we find out is in the crisis, uh, in one of the timelines, whatever Abracadabra's shoot name is, it doesn't matter, he's Abracadabra, uh, he had a wife and a family. Mm-hmm. And when the Flash fixed all of that, that was taken away. Yep. But abracadabra is still haunted by that he mm-hmm. dreams of that life right. he knows that it was not real uh but it still doesn't like mean that it, like it no longer happened but it still happened to him right he ended up using a piece of technology that we used in our timeline to to like re to like give you the pre-crisis memories back and in the end he's like oh i i ended up figuring out that's what it was I equate the Abracadabra story to a really bad telling of Astro City one half. Okay. With a tweak, with a tweak. And I'm like, and we'll get to Abracadabra because I have problems with Abracadabra because he's a great flash rogue in the comics here. He's garbage. But so I didn't let you finish what you were saying. So that's it. Um, Because of this, Abracadabra is going to destroy all of Central City. Flash comes up and says, hey, listen, man, I know you have these memories of this family that doesn't exist anymore, and they don't exist, but is this what they would wanted you to do to kill all these people in their name? Is this how they're going to be remembered? And Abracadabra says no. And then he stops doing what he was doing. But don't forget, then the Hulk shows up. Right. And now, so while I was watching this, and the not Hulk showed up, my kid came in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Let's say he was not impressed by the fantastic spectral effects <laughs> of whatever that character was who comes in and murders Abracadabra. Yep. And he's, like, super strong, and then he, like, runs away. I don't know who that's supposed to be. I think, first of all, it's a she, but oh. I'm, going, I'm, I'm going by nothing at all is that in the last, like, run, the Joshua Williams run of... Uh, Flash that they added other forces than the speed and one of them was the strength force so i'm thinking with the lightning flash released all the forces that were like this war like they were trying to do with flash what they did with the war of the rings and stuff like that they were gonna have a like a a force war or whatever and one character was a female who like was kind of overwhelmed by this the strength force for a little while or it can jump from people to people 
we'll see, but I think that's where they're going. And boy, I can't wait for more forces. So I, I'll wait. I, I get. I'm. I'm just speculating. You know what I mean. But uh, my thing with my hating Abracadabra is like you're right. Abracadabra should be the character that fits into Legends of Tomorrow. His character from the future, and they give him a shoot name in this, which totally ticks me off because his le- le- legit shoot name in the comics is Citizen Abracadabra. So I'm like, no, don't give him like John Smith. That's just garbage. And then his like legitimate thing in the comic, which is so much better, is he's a he wants to be a magician in the 64th century, but there's so much technology that oh, I could make someone disappear. We could literally make people teleport. Um, cut somebody in half. I could literally like with our medical technology bisect somebody's body and put them back together. So nobody's interested in it. So he takes all this technology to come back to our time and be the world's greatest magician. But people kind of think he's hokey. So he ends up forcing them to like mind controlling them to clap at everything he does. And he's got the mustache twirling villain turning like the flash into a marionette. And I'm like, Where's all this? You turned him into a crappy David Blaine kind of a thing. I'm like, I don't know. Like that. I love Abracadabra, and they just they just mauled the character both times, as far as I was concerned. So I would have liked the version I'm explaining a lot more, and then put him on Legends of Tomorrow with like wigs and mustaches, and I would have been fine with. It. And he has to dress like an old timey magician, not like like a Las Vegas today magician. We need the coattails, the top hat, the wand that looks like, a, you know, has the white tips. None of that here. He had a sonic screwdriver. We don't need that in Legends and Flash. I agree. No more sonic screwdrivers anywhere. Mm-hmm. So there, there's my, my rant. I did a rant on Abracadabra, so... I'm glad I'm glad you're taking down the uh, the things that need to be taken down on superhero TVs. Fifth, hey. Fifth-rate Flashville... Let me put my cape on and take care of this. Okay. Uh, so let's move over to uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of the origin of how John Walker gets to become the new Captain America. Uh, we're introduced to his partner, Battlestar. Uh, they, new Captain America and Battlestar, have a little bit of a dust up a little bit of a disagreement maybe a little bit of a battle on top of some uh trucks in another great action sequence um with some of the flag smasher folks uh bucky goes uh and brings sam to someone else that he knows from the korean war someone who has also had super soldier serum tested on them and there's a definitive split between these two camps of Sam and Bucky and John Walker and Battlestar and Sam and Bucky make the decision that if they're going to take down the flag smashers, they need to talk to someone else who may have had some super soldier serum running through them. And that is uh, someone who is currently in lockdown, lockup, solitary confinement, what have you. And that's Baron Zemo. Right. I think I covered everything Cliff Notes wise on this. Um, now I want to say I want to preface this. Uh, while I have read a lot of the Grunwald era Captain America, it has been a long time since I've read that stuff. Right. Um, and it does not, and it's not as a knock on any of that. 
because I think that stuff is a lot better than people give it credit for. I think a lot of like 80s Marvels gets a short shrift because DC was like firing on all cylinders at that point with like your Dark Knight Returns and your Watchmen and your other stuff like that, where Marvel really wasn't known as like this company that's putting out these uh, longstanding classics, right? Right. Um, and I've read a lot of Captain America since. Um, you know, and I could even just point to the Mark Wade run from the late to, you know, middle, late nineties. I, I could point to the Brubaker run and those kind of stick in my head a lot more than the Grunwald stuff. And apparently this stuff is like some of the most Grunwald, like ripped from the pages stuff that there's ever been. Right. I'm not a Marvel guy. Um, I like, I swear to God, like if we got Scott in here, he would explain all of this. Like I explain like DC to him and he explains like that era a marvel to me, but I'm with you. I don't get it. And I, I always heard Grunwald uh, did a great draw, job on Cap until he didn't, if that makes any sense. Like, there was some really great Captain America stuff, and then we got Cap Wolf and the house that dripped dough Cap and stuff like that. Like And not Cap pitching. in a suit of armor that he needed to live. Right. That, like... It was good until it wasn't. Um, I really like this episode. I'm with you with the fight on the roof, the it bringing in like the, the the Korean Captain America who was from Red, White, and Blue. Like, obviously, I think you have to tweak the timeline. Whatever, I'm I'm cool with that. Um, the I love the fact that with I'm calling him U.S. Agent John Walker, whatever. I like the fact that you believe he has a good heart. But we've seen all this showmanship, like the band and Good Morning America and all that stuff. We, we saw all this with Cap in the first Avenger and Cap wanted none of it. You know what I mean? He's like, this is me building up war bonds and I should be out there fighting. John Walker likes it a little too much. You know what I mean? So that differentiates him. But the problem that I can't get over, it's my abracadabra problem with John Walker is... I don't think he has any superpowers yet. You know what I mean? He's just... He, an... he seems to be like peak physical ability because they show that bit with him practicing with the shield, right? And that's where I always fall into with like giving the shield to Falcon. And if we don't find out that uh, Walker's been augmented is a normal person can't throw the shield the way it's supposed to. I, I always stood by that. That's why when, because Brubaker was smart when he brought Bucky back, he had his arm blown off in the explosion that he was supposedly died in. He gets the cybernetic arm so he could do all the things that Cap jacked up on, you know, superhero, sol, uh, super soldier serum could do with that shield. And I'm like, that's why Falcon isn't going to be able to throw it. And that's why uh, John Walker isn't going to be able to throw it. And it's a weird little nitpick for me, but I want to see, where it goes, if that makes any sense at all. Don't For know why sure. I'm stuck. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but I am. No, no, I get you. I, I definitely think there is going to be some sort of reveal that maybe John got the super soldier serum or some iteration of the super soldier serum, and maybe he's not aware of it. Right. Yeah. Or, or something that, and I think that might be what puts him off kilter later, whatever. I don't know. But like I said, just I just think you have to have you have to be more than just kind of strong to throw the shield. I won't harp on it anymore. Yeah. Um, but I like this episode. Um, I think this episode flowed a little bit better than the previous episode. Not to say that the previous episode was bad by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're already into a feeling 
of there being like that really big actiony sequence that you know looks like it should be in a movie sort of thing. Right. As opposed to on a TV show, I guess. No, I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the only thing I have one last question for you because you may know Marvel a little better than me. Um, uh, the Korean cap, which I forget his name. I, I, I that's wrong to do, but uh, like his his uh, name Isaiah. I'm, Isaiah. His grandson is Patriot, isn't it? Yes, from, from your, Young Avengers, what have you? Yes, right. Because he that's the kid who answers the door. I think you know because obviously we're getting Hawkeye with uh, the Hawk uh, Hawk girl, not Hawk girl, but the the, the Hawkeye's dot. Right. That iteration, I think, like we're starting to put the, and we had the two kids from WandaVision, we're putting the young Avengers together. You know what I mean? And hey, if they're doing that stealthily to a lot of people that maybe don't know the comics that well, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's going to be one of those things where like the pieces have been there the whole time and now you know them and the comic book folks, and it's not like young Avengers was this big thing that everyone's read, you know, but. Mm -hmm enough people have that it's known enough um that'll be a cool piece of business whether you've read the books or not yep when they actually do the clickbaity article on facebook and twitter and they go you know marvel was hiding the young avengers in plain sight the whole time it'll actually be true <laughs> yes so the uh isaiah bradley uh cap who we see in this who bucky knew from the korean war and, and when you were saying the korean cap and i'm like was there a Korean cap in this? I'm like, oh, no, you're talking about the Captain America from the Korean War. Okay. Right, like World War II cap, <laughs> Korean cap. No, yes. this is an actual yes. And I'll, you know, and I'll say this. I don't know. I'm not a speculator type guy. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, that's not my bag, baby. But if you are, uh, Isaiah Bradley's, like, first appearance was it a book called Truth, Red, White, and Black that came out in 2003? Yep. Um, I don't know what that goes for today, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe go buy that today. I have a feeling we're going to see scenes of Cap or Bucky and uh, Isaiah fighting in Korea at some point. Like in him in a dream, like Bucky having a, one of his weird flashbacks or something. Uh -huh. And that's, that's what's going to push it over the edge. Yeah, you know, if you're a speculator type person. If you're looking uh, for an opportunity. You know, somebody, uh, uh, you know, they're they're up, like you'd get the full run. There's people trying to sell like the first appearance already for like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, but you could probably get it a little bit cheaper than that. Yep. Um, you know, so it's already out there. <laughs> That's no, all. Uh, but, you know, maybe uh, go uh, look at the IMDb for some of these uh, episodes and do a duck up go search for some of these names to see when their first comic book appearances were. And mm -hmm. go start scooping those up if you're that type of comic book collector. I'm still hoping a government official is going to be Del Rusk at some point. <sighs> but anyway. You know what? I think because at this point... um. A week ago, I would have said yes, but because this is so heavy in the Mark Runwald area, at least the feel of it, even though, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit mixed because it's not Steve and Bucky, it's Sam and Bucky on the good right. guy side. And again, good guy side, but you get me. The faces, um, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're going to get a little bit more of that. Um, 
But maybe I could be wrong, you know? I think if you put Zemo and Red Skull and hopefully, fingers crossed, more Batroc the Leaper, I think that's too ma- too many villains. And the Flag Smashers. I think that's too many villains for a seven-episode I- seven TV show. Right, and then you have the U.S. agent as a tweener, man, as you yeah. say. But I if, if you have the same shield he does or the same glove that he is, he'll still fist bump you when he's coming out, you know? Oh, and did you see one last thing? I'm sorry, because it really said, you know, when he was doing the Good Morning America appearance and he was signing those uh, flags, uh, not flags, the USA figures. I mean, they're yeah. obviously Captain America. Those actual figures are going to be a legend uh, release. Oh, they are? Yeah, like they just announced, like it was like two days after the episode dropped. They're like, "Here's the the figure, you know, like the 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 John Walker Captain America." And I'm like, "That's literally like the box and everything." They just, <laughs> that's it. I'm like, "God bless you, Disney. I love it, and and I'm sickened by it equally at the same time." Well, you know, we talked about it with, uh, you know, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. where the episode comes out where it was uh, Agatha all along, and then Monday morning. It's like, here's the entire line of it was Agatha all along, like, merchandise. Right. No, I get it. I love – I'm a little sickened by it because I, like, I think it's gone, like, too far. But I it totally, if tomorrow they said, Todd, here's your cut, I'd be like, how much more <laughs> could we do? How much – could we have, like, uh, like, John Walker, like, boots? Like, whatever. Like, I don't care what it is. What soap was he using in that shower scene? Like, John Walker soap. I'm – Give me my 0.01% cut and I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, I so I, I really, you know, uh, I've really been enjoying the two episodes of Falcon Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff with the psychiatrist, I could take it or leave it, but I get where they're going. It's, it's less to explore what's going on with Bucky and it's now more to explore the relationship between uh, Falcon and Bucky. Right. I thought that scene was a little over the top, but there was stuff at the end that it was like, basically, after all that, when this is over, we'll both go our separate ways. And I was like, okay, like it's showing angst and whatever. But yeah, yeah. the I actually like the, the, the psychiatrist more than the scenes in there because like she slaps them down whenever she has to. Yeah, yeah she's not intimidated by them. Yes, which is fun. You know what I mean? And like, she kind of has sway over them especially Bucky's like no no you're gonna do what I say and we're gonna go through this and I'm like okay so maybe she'll turn out to be a, like the eighth villain you know what I mean right Ooh, was it wonder if she turns out to be Moonstone no Moonstone's shoot name is Carla Sofen mm-hmm. so I don't think it's gonna be her but again could you know it could be she it's like the she's the lady Del Rusk you know right wasn't she a psychiatrist though Moonstone she was yeah, that's her. They're building the Thunderbolts, Joe. Don't tease me. Mm-hmm. That's the real dream. That's the real dream. You keep your young Avengers. I want a Thunderbolts TV show. So you could you could CGC that Thunderbolts one that you own. <laughs> now my my I send that out to be CGC. That's gonna get a five. You know what I mean? That's been that's been read and loved. Right, but what would it be in the Tokyo Dome? Uh, it's be like a seven. <laughs> okay. I, I like guess that that's it. Your vernacular now. I know. I'm glad I've just poisoned you with that. <laughs> I know, and I and I'm going to be using that a lot from here on out. I think, Good. but anyway, not too much. Don't worry, just enough. All right. So thank you very much for everyone uh, hanging in there with us, going through this episode 548 of Longbox Heroes. 
For Todd, this is Joe again saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.